0: What is up, everybody? Welcome into the official Maze & Brew Hoops podcast. I am Chris Castellani, joined by my boss and friend, Anthony Broom. By the time you're listening to this, it will be March. It is March 1st, and that means, given the way things have played out this season, this next month, let's call it for what it is, is either going to be one of the great disappointments in the history of this program, (laughs) or one of the greatest triumphs it's March 1st. And I know that Michigan basketball has a team that can win the national championship straight up. You know, they've made it there two times under B line in 2013. I knew they had the talent in 2018. I knew with a few breaks, they could get there, but this is up to this point, the most dominant Michigan basketball team I've ever seen. They're coming off of two more blowout wins and that's where we're going to start Uh, Our discussion today, Michigan on, what was it, Anthony? Was it uh, Thursday? Played Iowa, a top 10 team at home. Iowa will probably drop out of the top 10. They lost at least one game. They're playing Ohio State right now. But they came into the game ranked number nine, and Michigan played a, a strange first half. And I guess that's where we'll start with the first half of this game. It was one of the stranger halves of the year because defensively, at the end of the half, I said, man, I feel like they've played too well to only be winning by three. And yet on the other end, I felt like they played too poorly offensively that they were kind of lucky to be winning. I mean, did you kind of get the same gauge that there was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde situation going on on both sides of the ball there? Oh, for sure.
1: I tweeted about it too, in that it felt like um, it felt like it was a missed opportunity that you just had held Luca Garza to one of the worst halves of basketball. Maybe he's played in college, at least in the last couple of years. But you couldn't really finish at the rim either, so that did feel like a missed opportunity. Because, you know, there is a small part of us as Michigan fans that you feel like when you don't seize that type of opportunity, like football for example, guy drops an interception in a big game, you go, oh, that's going to come back to bite us later. Uh, so with this team, I wasn't that worried about that, especially given that we know how be- how much better they play coming out of the locker room. So it did, you know, it was a blessing to to go in uh, like that. And I'll say this too. So much of what went wrong in that first half for both of those teams was the fact that it was one of the most uh, is poorly officiated the way it put, I mean, over officiated. It was one of the most over officiated halves of basketball I've ever seen. I mean, they were four replay reviews in like 17, the first 17 minutes of the half, which is outrageous and, and gross and a total affront to, the sport of college basketball that that was even a, a problem, but yeah, I mean, it was a little, cause this was the game. And I had said this too beforehand, this was, there've been a lot of games this year at Chrysler where I missed having fans there, but this one, there was a little bit of a buzz in the air because of the Hunter Dickinson and Luca Garza type history coming into it. And the fact that it was, you know, we saw what Michigan's defense, you no know, Michigan's defense didn't play great at Ohio state didn't play poorly, but you know, it was uh, the stat sheet says what the stat sheet says about that game. And and Jawan Howard challenged them. And there was certainly there was some pause like, OK, you're playing not only what Kempom has is the most efficient offense in the country, but it's like I believe they're like historically efficient, too. If you go and look at some of those numbers. So that was a question mark for sure. And, and for them to come out, like I said, they're just hands and passing lanes. I mean, Franz Wagner's length. Well, that's know a theme we'll talk about here in both of these games from this past week but man oh man I mean that that first half was a slog and I, I both teams uh both teams didn't play great and then the officials kind of did their thing and, and I'm glad it opened up in the second half it mm-hmm. doesn't usually go that way in both halves of these games I've noticed for at least f- officiating wise but yeah a little bit of slog uh, and can't say I was concerned but it was like man Someone's going to figure it out here soon, and, and I don't know who it's going to be because you and – it, and it boiled down to this, and this is where I'll leave it. Coming out of the locker room, it was, do you trust the team that played good defense in the first half who has a resume of being the 75th best defense in the country, or do you trust the team that has been a top-10 defense throughout the year, slipped outside the top-10 because of the Ohio State game, and but has a resume of figuring it out? And that kind of shaped how you might feel going into the second half of that game
0: it was a prime example again of Michigan wearing a team down you know Iowa is a is a good basketball team but there's a reason why Luka Garza is the most valuable player on that team and arguably in the whole country it's because he's really the only player on that team who's Aggressive down low. I mean, that's that's a finesse team. That's a team with a lot of good shooters, a lot of slashers. And Michigan, I think their aggression on the defensive end, especially, just wore down Iowa. Iowa doesn't score 57 points in a game. I mean, they just Mm -hmm. don't. They hadn't. uh, I think in one of their losses, they had 62. Other than that, to go to hold that team to 57 uh, speaks volumes about how good Michigan was defensively on the wings. But of course, you know, especially down low, Hunter Dickinson. Holding Luca Garza to six for 19 from the floor. I mean, Luca Garza, amazing player, the best player in the conference. He's a volume guy. I mean, if you look at the score, at, at the box scores for every one of those games, he. He accounts for about 50% of their shot attempts. I mean, the guy shoots an insane number of shots. And you know, what? a lot of them are close range. A lot of them are at the block. A lot of them are, you know, 10, 15 foot jumpers. It, it works for him. But, you know, he, the point I'm trying to make is he was going to get his points. He scored 16, had four rebounds, does not tell the full story. Six for 19 from the floor. And you could tell Dickinson was gassed at the end of that game. I mean, that was a difficult game for him. Not his best stat line by any means, though I don't know, 14 points, eight rebounds is, is pretty good. But defensively, was where he shined but not only him and again speaks to this team's depth which is something that weirdly they didn't uh use to their advantage against indiana some guys had off days but dickinson had some fouls early on and you know there's the whole conspiracy in the big 10 whatever luca garza gets calls you know i i don't go with any of that crap He's a very, very aggressive player. He loves his pump fakes. We know the rules. If you leave your feet on a pump fake, you get called for a foul. I'm not, I'm not going to argue that, but... He loves, it, he loves to
1: do the little chicken wing,
0: though. He. Oh, he, yeah, I know. Yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> he takes He takes full advantage of his size and sometimes even the rules. But that, that's not on him. He's a wonder... I like watching Luca Garza play. He's a great player. Dickinson did a great job on him. Dickinson got some fouls early on, and even in the second half got some fouls. And I thought Austin Davis did a tremendous job holding his own, against Luca Garza. You're going to pick up your fouls because you're going up against a bruiser. I mean, just an absolute freight train of a player. You're going to pick up some fouls, that's fine. But to be, they stayed aggressive on him the whole game and ultimately in the second half, the shots started falling. The word I use to describe this team offensively has been relentless, where you can shut, if you plug one or two holes, two two or three others are going to pop right up and you got good games. And Franz Wagner is the MVP of this week. I mean, this is about as efficient a game as you can play it in college basketball. Nine for 12 from the floor, was two for three from three-point range, did clank one free throw, but 21 points. There is no player on Iowa's team. There wasn't any player on Indiana's team. We'll talk about that in a second. And I don't know if there's a player in the conference or a team in the conference that has a player that matches up well with Franz Wagner. I mean, his length, his size, his athleticism, makes him a matchup nightmare. And he had some issues early on in the year. I mean, time has has gone very fast here that we kind of forget. Early on in the year, there was some issues seemingly with confidence. None of us ever had any doubts about Franz Wagner's ability. He's a 6'10 guy who can play the wing and shoot threes. We know he had the talent. I think the deeper this season has gone <clears throat> and the better he's played against quality opponents, the more dangerous he becomes. Because there are there's a lot of really good players on this team, a lot but I don't know if there's any that at their best. In fact, I know there's none at their best that are as unstoppable as Franz Wagner can be. And he was, he was a nightmare for Iowa on Thursday night.
1: No, in, I feel like in the last few weeks, really coming out of that shutdown, what we've started to see is a guy who we know that that lottery pick type of potential has always been there. I mean, it's, it's literally in his bloodline. I mean, he, his brother was, was a good player and has been a serviceable to good NBA player for what he is. So we know that's there. Uh, Franz, the guy's six. He wants everyone to know he's six foot 10. All the coaches say that all the players say that they always say Franz wants us to make sure that, you know, he's six foot 10, six foot 10. And he's a, you know, he's a guard slash forward. His skill set is so impressive to me. And like I said, uh, you know, we know how good a player Luka Garza is, but Luka Garza is Iowa. And there's not a guy on that team short of, you know, elbowing him in the face and knocking him out of the game. That could stop Franz Wagner. He's too athletic. He's too long. He's too good defensively. He's, I mean, the Euro step game uh, on the offensive side of the floor, the touch that he has around the basket now is just beyond impressive. It, It feels like, you know, it's, it feels like an evolution or is taking place before our very eyes. And if, as you know, a lot of the things that he did against Iowa carried into that Indiana game as well. And the overarching theme of the week for me is that we know how many guys on this team can get hot at any given moment. There's probably five, five or six guys, but if you're getting God, even 85% the guy, that they've gotten the last couple of nights in these last couple of games, Michigan to me is one of the two teams to beat. I mean, Gonzaga, I'm not taking anything away from them. Uh, we'll, we can talk about them in the big picture later on, but uh, this is, this is a, a, a title caliber team. He's that final piece. He is the straw that stirs the drink. If this is going to be what we think it has the chance to be. So again, uh feels like there's a confidence there with him. That's burgeoning too. feels like he knows when he can see and diagnose a mismatch that he has. And I'll be honest to me, short of, you know, this is where you start looking ahead at projections and and the brackets they might be in. Like if Michigan gets into one of those, one of the eight or nine seeds and say it's Oklahoma or Oklahoma, I'm sorry, Oklahoma state. And then they can throw, you know, six foot eight Cade Cunningham at him. Then maybe that's like, okay, that might be a guy who can give him a problem, but I, I just don't know when Franz Wagner plays this way. I don't know. I don't know who can beat this team, honestly, unless everyone else has an off night. It's, it's remarkable how well he's played. It cannot well, what, be overstated enough.
0: No, I'm, I'm with you completely. But with that said, though, I think the difference between a good team and a great team is that if good teams have one great player, Iowa, prime example, Iowa's a very good team, but as evidenced by what we saw on Thursday if you contain Luca Garza, you contain Iowa. Iowa cannot win a game in which Luca Garza isn't the top scorer or or the one of the best players on the floor. Michigan can lose a game where Hunter Dickinson doesn't play great. Now we don't want that. I I prefer they all play great. But <laughs> we they can leak and lose or, or 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 they can win a game even if they stumble a little bit in which Franz doesn't go for 15. Or Livers does have kind of an off night shooting. It, it speaks to the depth of this team and, and you know how good they are at scoring the basketball. I mean, there's so many guys uh, from the beginning. We've known that they have so many guys who can create off the dribble, who can make shots. It's it's such a dangerous team uh, for that reason as well as many others. There was one more thing because I like to l- find little you know fun things that go on throughout these games. I might have noticed. I think there might be now. This guy rubs a lot of people the wrong way, so maybe it's maybe Juwan should just you know get in line with everybody else. I think it's kind of seemed like there might've been a bit of a butting of heads with Fran McCaffrey and Juwan Howard. there. Um, no, it,
1: not Fran.
0: Well, well, I know. Well, that's the thing I, I don't. Uh, yeah. No, Fran, Fran McCaffrey is, is a Will Ferrell character come to life. Uh, and he's, he loves to, he loves his screaming and he's big loud and tall and boisterous and uh, hasn't won anything. So I think he rubs a lot of people the wrong way in that aspect. But yeah, I, I noticed at the end of the game, no shaking of hands there was some back and forth on the, on the sidelines there at, at one point. I, you know, I were, you were at this game, right? Correct. The, did you see anything that maybe some, we didn't see on the television or was it mainly just kind of spat back and forth?
1: I mean, you can hear, like, there's no fans. So you can hear Fran now, but the, the funny thing is I've been to Michigan, Iowa games before with fans and you can still, you can hear, still him. hear him. Right. You can still hear him. Um, I don't know. I mean, a lot of it, you just kind of, look past because it it it, to me it registers as just fran being fran Mm -hmm. um but you know it's interesting too and i think this is it kind of goes hand in hand with you know this team has always had an attitude and, and kind of an edge about it for sure and i'm not uh no i'm not i don't think i'm dropping hot takes or projecting here or anything but there's been with the media at least over at least since michigan's come back from this shutdown there's been a little bit of a, a fire and a little bit of an edge with Jawan Howard too. Um, dare I say, just a like ever, ever so much a little bit Harbaugh-esque in terms of like when things are going good, just like that attitude. Um,
0: Except successful.
1: Well, yeah, again. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I had to, I had to.
1: Harbaugh-esque. Um, right, yeah. You know, it, it's a coach, like to me, it's a team that is completely comfortable in, in its situation and its skin. And it's a coach that, really, to me, the evolution of him as a coach this year has been more palpable than it was last year. Um, Because, you know, they were what their record says they were last year, they were a 500 team in conference play, they got high, they got low, you know, things like that happen. But um it feels like he's just, he's fallen into this comfort zone where he's like, yeah, um I'm not the new guy here. And I coach a pretty damn good basketball team. So I'm not going to back down from you. And also, I think that Fran is, is, you know, I've seen this. I've sat six feet from him in a press setting before. I just think he's kind of a sore loser, too. Um, yeah. So it is what it is. Uh, you talk about a team that, like, it, it just feels like in the last couple of weeks, Michigan has taken on this a little bit extra of an edge. And and as I sit here and reflect on it now, it does kind of line up with, you know, Juwan's had a little bit of an edge with us in these media type of settings, too. Um, not in a bad way. Like, in a, just feels more comfortable, you know. Right. And uh, I think that that does have a big. It's rubbed. It's clearly rubbed off on his team.
0: Uh, yeah, I I agree completely. And like I said, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it was much of a story. They weren't, you know, barking back each other at, at center court about to go to fisticuffs. But yeah, it it seemed like you said there's there's an edge there. And look, when you're winning games, when you when you are running a top ten team, I mean, I I, I think I said this, but it needs repeating. A top ten team out of the gym by twenty two points, you can have a, a little bit of swagger. There going forward. So yeah, another solid win for Michigan against the top 10 opponent.
1: Hey guys, Anthony from Maize and Brew here to introduce you to our friends and sponsors of the podcast, homefieldapparel.com. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand located right in the heart of Big Ten country in Indianapolis and makers of some of the most comfortable items of clothing you will ever own. Homefield launched its Michigan collection in early November with several awesome, vintage designs that capture a lot of the things we love about the wolverines everything they do and design for all schools comes from a place of love that honors the history of some of our favorite institutions across the country so if you're looking for a gift for that tulane grad of yours or simply want to add some north dakota state gear to your collection in addition to the michigan stuff you buy they are the place to do it our listeners our readers the Mason brew family can get 20 percent off your first purchase using the promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com. That's promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com for 20% off your first purchase. I promise you their gear will become an instant favorite in your collection.
0: In the second game that went down on Saturday, Michigan went to Indiana, an Indiana team that if, I mean, I guess anything's possible, but if they wanted to keep their NSA tournament hopes alive, they basically needed this game and, Uh, I don't know what the situation is with Archie Miller, but I kind of feel like if he wanted to keep his job, he needed to win this game. And it was, again, a strange first half. Anthony, you were one of the first people to notice that this team has a tendency, not, not for first halves necessarily, but for the first five, 10 minutes to be a little bit stagnant, a little bit lethargic. And we saw that again. There were many things that they did not do well in the first half. They didn't shoot the ball well. They missed a lot of close shots. There were a few lapses defensively, especially early on. But Archie Miller – and this is where I give him credit because things – I don't think things are going to work out there at Indiana. Um, I also think he kind of falls in line with basically every other coach that's been there over the last 20 years, which is solid recruiting and perpetual underachievement. Indiana
1: basketball is Michigan it's football. Michigan football. Yeah. It's like the Ironhorn the, the yeah. is Finkel type thing. <laughs> like it's the same thing.
0: Right. No, I, I, I'm with you completely. But with that said, I – uh, I give him credit for how he's conducted himself in in post games and how he's talked about other teams. I thought he was very complimentary of Michigan, and he made a great point, you know, where he said, "Look, Indiana." thrives on being a team that gets to the free throw line. They get to the free throw line more than any other team in the big 10 statistically. And they knock down more free throws than almost any other team in the big 10 Michigan shot 18 foul shots in the first half. The only ones they missed were the two that Austin Davis missed following that hook and hold. Other than that, they were 16 for 16 from the line. They went into the half up nine, despite not playing their best basketball. And that was a number. I was talking to my dad about it. And that's number one sign that we're spoiled. Cause yeah, I was like, man, they didn't play great. They did not play great in the first half, winning by nine on the road in Assembly Hall. And you know, we'll talk about the second half here in a second. But I mean, are we kind of in lockstep there? Did you kind of feel like this was a more
1: than nine, wasn't it?
0: I thought it was only nine.
1: Seven. Okay, seventy-three fifty-seven. They won by sixteen. It was so. It was so casual a blowout that it just didn't feel like one. I totally get that.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, do you think that in that first half it just it was like a, it was like a B minus C plus effort. And yet still, you know, Oh, you co- mean coastline. the
1: halftime deficit? No, the
0: halftime deficit was nine. Right.
1: I'm so sorry. Okay. No,
0: yeah, no, the halftime deficit was nine. And I still was like, man, that's the, the that, that leave, that left a lot to be desired.
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, The difference in the game was the free throw discrepancy mm-hmm. early on. Um, Michigan got to the foul line 18 times in the first half and, and hit 16 of those. And I think Indiana was like, six of eight or six of nine, nice, or something like that. I don't know. uh, That was, yeah, that was part of it. I felt like there, and again, this is where I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, where this was going to be a test, not necessarily because Indiana is good or well-coached because they are neither of those things, but you play an emotional game against Iowa and less than, whatever it was, less than 40 hours later, you're on the road in a different state playing, you know, playing a basketball game again. And even the NCAA tournament isn't quite like that, because if you play for an entire weekend and play a couple games, like you're, you're staying in the same spot. Yeah, so yeah. Um, there was some fatigue there. Uh, maybe not. A, it just, it just, it wasn't a great performance. It wasn't. Um, and, and that the thing with this team is that they can, Michigan's good enough to not play their best basketball and beat that team and, and do so, like I said, pretty casually too the thing that I do think is like, if you don't, and I've said this before too, they didn't come out and play well early on, but if you're, if their opponent doesn't come out and absolutely just sucker punch them in those first, you know, really until the the first or maybe the second media timeout, you might be screwed because if this team, this team doesn't get down on itself, it doesn't do a whole lot of things to beat themselves up. Um, You know, the turnovers again, Sometimes those are going to be a little bit high. Uh, that happens. But it's if they smell, this is a team full of sharks. If they smell blood in the water and you give them an opening, they're going to take it and they're going to beat you. And if you give them an opening for long enough, they're going to run you out of their building. They'll run you out of um, their own building. They'll run you out of a neutral floor. That is what a championship caliber team does. And there are no gimmies in this conference. I know in Indiana's not, they're not good. And they're probably not an NCA tournament team. No, they shouldn't. But again, you go on the road in this conference, fans are no fans to win, to lead by double digits at the half after not playing well and to win by or lead by, you know, nine at the half and not play well, then to win by 16. And you still probably, I mean, they were much better in the second half, but it just, that's an off game for them. It's we are so spoiled right now. Like it's insane
0: yeah and i I was uh I was in the first half, especially noticing what looked like a little bit of fatigue especially from Isaiah Livers who seemed like he was doing a bit too much he comes out in the second half takes about three dribbles shoots three shots and hits three consecutive threes and then ended up you know jumping over Austin Davis and dunking you know just somehow dunking on an opponent and his own teammates head on a on a, on a, on a missed three pointer Austin Davis got the worst of that one I saw, I saw the photo that was posted I thought it was hilarious but I mean this it really was amazing this turned out to be a 16 point game and obviously Michigan deserves all the credit here but Indiana does deserve some, 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 a lot of criticism here. Michigan's bench was one for 13. Shawnee Brown was one for seven hit one, three. Now, some of those, you had Jaron folds going over one CJ Baird going over one, but still like for the entire bench to, uh to be that unproductive and for the team to run away with this. I mean, once this thing got to 10, 12 minutes left, there was never any doubt Michigan, you know, wasn't going to run away with this thing. And yeah, I mean, you, you can, people can talk, Oh, there's no fans there, whatever. Like you said, Anthony, I. They, it was like what a a thirty something hour break, but the forty hours in between from end of one game to the start of another—that is about as quick a turnaround as it gets. And you know that's unfortunately the 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 state of things given what's happened with all the the, with the COVID layoff, and you got to play a lot of games kind of back to back to back. And um, I think at some point uh, there there may be some fatigue that's going to come out, but I don't know. I mean, they got they got Sunday off, they got today off and then they're going to be uh they're going to be back at it on Tuesday against Illinois and you look at the ske- that's the other thing too. You look at the schedules of the teams they're playing. They're going through the same thing. I mean, Michigan State just lost to Maryland after they had a Tuesday game, a Thursday game that they both won, then a Sunday game they were gassed. They played Tuesday against Indiana, Thursday Michigan. I mean, they're going to be they're, you know, we're going to see a lot of of, of shots come coming up short on the front end of the rim over these next couple games, I feel like, because teams are going to be fatigued and tired. Now, Michigan could have had an opportunity, I mean, it's no fault of their own, to clinch uh, an outright Big Ten title on Saturday. Wisconsin played the... Go possibly
1: ahead. Uh We talked to the team spokesperson about this after the game, and the Big Ten hasn't really, like, set its criteria of okay. what constitutes a Big Ten title or not yet. But we assume... Like all Michigan has to do is just win one of these next couple games, and like mathematically, it's impossible for them to not win it. So, right.
0: well, that then that is that is a failure. Brad Underwood
1: will be salty about, and we'll talk about that in a second. Right,
0: that is a failure on the part of the Big Ten. I mean, you can't be. I, I understand the circumstances are uh, otherworldly, unlike anything we've ever we've ever seen. With three games left in the season, you should know what the criteria is to clinch a Big Ten title. Period. Now. Let's all let's just run with that because I I think we are all watching that game closely. Uh, Wisconsin played maybe the worst 37 minutes in the history of college basketball on Saturday. They are devolving the sport of basketball now. Uh, Demetric Trice went uh, 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 Tracy oh, McGrady. Miller. I was gonna well I was gonna say yeah Tracy McGrady scoring 13 points in, in 45 seconds or whatever it was against the, the the Spurs like 15 years ago nearly came back. And won that game. They did not had Illinois... like
1: 19 points in like the last two minutes and 12 seconds of the game. Yeah, you know he had a, yeah
0: he had a runaway. like
1: absolute 2K stuff
0: insane right. coming from a team that had clanked every three pointer that they shot all game, every single one. It is, you know, I feel like I've, I've picked on a lot of coaches in this league, but do you know what I'm saying? When you have seven seniors and you're going up at home on Senior Day against a team without their best player, I don't know, man. I mean, I I think they are start. They're starting to move a bit backwards because you're seeing teams in this conference that His have taken The Wisconsin
1: of, team that won the Big Ten last year. Right, exactly, we'll the exact same team.
0: You're seeing a lot of teams now. When Bo Ryan was there and they were winning the Big Ten or competing for a Big Ten title every other year, didn't matter. And dude, dude made two Final Fours in the national championship game. But when you look at this conference, Michigan's getting better, Illinois is getting better, Rutgers is getting better, Maryland has kind of is been steady. I'm seeing a team in Wisconsin that seems like they've kind of regressed over the last several seasons. Now, last year was a bit of a blip in the radar. Like I said, they won a share of the Big Ten title, but they, they got a lot to work on if they want to be in, in the thick of things over the next several seasons. Now, we're actually not here to talk about Wisconsin. Illinois, after that game, Brad Underwood, I mean, it's it wasn't even subliminal. It took a shot at Michigan, essentially saying – I'm paraphrasing here. You know, we don't get to pick and choose, you know, who we play like some teams do. I don't think he said that specifically. Uh, basically implying that it's unfair that Michigan uh, is going to play three fewer games than everybody else and, you know, blah, blah, you know, the, the same type of uh, of nonsense that people are, are, I knew people would eventually point to at some point. And, and Anthony, I'll, I'll give you plenty of opportunity to speak on this because I, it's weird that some, a comment like this would get under my skin nowadays. Like a couple of years ago, I would have, you know, I would have blown my top and I may do that very well here, but the I'm wheel, just, just going to say it, man. And I am so not like this. Even at my worst, I was never like this, <laughs> but the whole, I hate the whole everyone disrespects our team principle that goes on with a lot of the teams I root for. I think Detroit versus everybody is one of the dumbest slogans in the history of the world. No, it's Detroit versus themselves. It's Detroit versus putting a quality product on the field or on the court or on the ice, you know, every single year. Like I, I you know, people say the lions get, you know, get screwed over every single week uh, by the refs when they're going four and 12 every season, you earn respect by having respect for yourself with that. So I'm not like this. I'm not with that said, I'll just say it. I think the Michigan basketball program is disrespected. There is one team in this conference over the last decade. This isn't 2013 anymore. There's one team over the last 10 years that can look at Michigan and say, we have a better program than them. That's Michigan State, who over the last 22 years has been on an unprecedented run of success where they're either winning the Big Ten, making the Final Four, or both every other year over the last 22 years. Everybody else, Illinois couldn't hold this program's jock strap. Illinois hasn't made a Sweet 16 since I was in third grade. Wisconsin can't say anything. Iowa can't say anything. Like, I'm sorry, but if it was another coach in this, another program in this state, and Michigan State had the same thing happen to him, to them. Everyone would say, oh, "Oh, poor Tom!" Oh, they pat him on his head and say, "Oh, no, it's okay, it's okay. They've earned that right." And Michigan hasn't at this point. A bunch of sweet 16s and Elite lead eight, two final fours, two Big Ten titles, about to be a third, two Big Ten tournament titles. They won the Big Ten playing a game in their underwear against Illinois, as Nick Baumgarner so perfectly put it, in 2017. They nearly died and ran Illinois off the court and won four games in four days. The first time where they did that, they did it the next year again. Different circumstances, obviously, but still did it. I, I, I read this and it's like, man, I think there's certain – if this happened in the ACC, Clemson's coach – would never say that about something Roy Williams did. They would never say that about Coach K. And yeah, you know what? Michigan is not Duke. They are not North Carolina. They're not Kentucky. They're not Michigan State. But there's that second tier that over the last decade, there's very few programs that have been consistent as this one has. They've made the tournament every year except for one, and that's because their best player was out the entire season, essentially, in in, in Karis LeVert. So, yeah, I mean, I read this stuff, and it's like, I don't, I don't know, man. I Maybe I'm way off. Maybe I'm just in a bad mood, but I think we're at a point now where it's, if you want to say Juwan's unproven, you can, but the program itself and the success that they've had speaks for itself.
1: I really want to add like gospel music to like that whole thing.
0: Thank you. Okay. I'm glad I'm I'm glad I'm not off base here. (laughs)
1: Um, I don't think that Michigan basketball is disrespected. I I actually think that they are low key, extremely respected uh, because of John Beeline and the program he built and and the work that, Joan Howard has put in over the last couple of years. To me, this is a larger than even Brad Underwood, who mind you at Illinois has a 65 and 55 record. He's only 10 games over 500 in four years. He's 38 and 38 in conference play, but it's like there is this hubris that has come out of Illinois basketball. Dude, I know. Since they beat Michigan last year, which nobody around here thinks about. They don't. The only thing I remember from that day is the fact that uh, Jeff Jackson Simpson wrecked Ward Manuel's car. That's the only thing of consequence to me that came out of that game. But there has been like this cockiness, this hubris about it within that fan base within that program, I think. And they haven't done anything. They finished Illinois, finished fourth in the big 10 last year. Congratulations. Congratulations on your fourth place finish. Um, Brad Underwood and Illinois have done nothing. And if anything, they've, they've underachieved with what they've had the last couple of years. And and the fact like you're going to insinuate that Michigan is, has decided the game games it's going to play the games that added back to its schedule. You were one of them, by the yeah, way, they were tough like games. they're going to play you on Tuesday in there in, in Chrysler, which was always the plan. They added Tom Izzo and Michigan state who has had a down year, but, uh, you know, finishing the year with a rivalry game. They add, you know, they made sure they got this Indiana game. The three games that Michigan missed ultimately after everything was rescheduled is they didn't play Northwestern again. They didn't play Penn state again. Sorry that Michigan uh, didn't take the opportunity to add two more sure wins to their schedule that would have put even more distance between you and them for the big 10 title. So this is just, it's sour grapes. It's hubris. It's, whatever you want to label it as like, I don't understand. And I'm glad I, I, I honestly am it, as fun as it would have been to celebrate yesterday for a big 10 title, because mathematically that would have been the case. I like that. It's coming down to Tuesday and it's take care of business on your own. You know, I feel good about Michigan's chances, whether or not Illinois has IO out or not. I hope they do. I want them to be at full strength and I want them. I want Michigan to blow the doors off of them by 25, because I think when push comes to shove, that's what Illinois basketball is. The bottom will fall off for them when things get difficult. And this is a Michigan team that consent that can do that to them. So even if Michigan doesn't win on Tuesday, whatever, they're going to win the big 10 anyway. So um, it is what it is. I think Michigan's already set as like an eight and a half point or nine and a half point favorite. Michigan is fact. The facts are this. Michigan is one of the two best teams in college basketball. Michigan belongs in the national title conversation. Michigan is the best team in a big 10 that is as strong as it's ever been, especially at the top. And those are the facts. And uh, if you're preemptively setting yourself up, because that's what they're doing. Brad yeah. Underwood knows, thinks his team is going to win on Tuesday and then he'll get to use that to spew his sour grapes. when Michigan still wins the big 10 title that they got that win and it should be them. Uh, whatever. Sorry, maybe I went down a road similar to what you felt like you were doing, but that's what this is. It's hubris, and and I'm Jawan Howard. Trust me, they've internal. They've already internalized. Oh boy, Um, yeah. Illinois is going to go into the lion's den on Tuesday, and I think you're going to see what that program really is.
0: Yeah, I look. Well, here's the thing. Illinois is still really good, and they're they're gonna they're gonna come out and compete. And I know they have a good team. And there's one thing I will just. I mean, the record speaks for itself. But sometimes you, and you, we've talked about this with Matt Campbell when there were rumors about that. Sometimes the record as a head coach is not indicative of a job a guy's doing. I mean, he sure. did not inherit a great situation there. I think no. the team's gotten progressively better every year. He's doing a good job. He is yeah. in the upper echelon of coaches in the Big Ten. Now, with that said, one really good team does not make you God's gift to basketball, which is, I think, kind of the, as you said, the hubris that's come with this team is that for the first time really since D Brown and Luther Head and, and Darren Williams, they've had a team that they felt like could maybe compete for a final four. And, and, you know, that they've acted like they're the, the UNLV UNLV team of, of the early nine nineties. So yeah, I did. I did want to throw that out there that I think he is, he does do a solid job, but yeah. And the last, the last part I will make the point I will make is, you know, the word I used was disrespected. And after hearing, you know, what you had to say, I maybe disrespected isn't the word, but when B line was here, there was a lot of respect, but I couldn't help, but feel like there was a, little engine that could type of respect that people had for Michigan. Like it wasn't like, and and look, the last thing I'm want is people to be bowing down on their knees to talk about how great Michigan is. But I do think that they, they look every, those years when Michigan made the final four, it wasn't looked at as, Hey man, that's a great program just doing great program things. It was wow, what an impressive job. I was mean, kind of backhanded being like, wow, what an impressive job of getting these bums to the final four when they had really good players and they had good teams and they had guys who played in the NBA. So I guess that's that's more the angle that I should have gone gone at that with where it is it's a respected program but I think relative when you look at the consistency they've had over the last decade, uh, I, I don't think it's uh, unfair to put them in the kind of in that top 10, 15 programs. I mean, yeah. Are they making the Elite Eight every single year? No. But like who does? I mean, yeah, Kentucky, Duke and even those teams suck this year. So it's it's even hard to say that. But yeah, I guess that was that was the the point. I was trying to make, I don't have anything else to add about the upcoming games. We'll talk about them. They got three games coming up. Um, I, if you, you go two and one, I'm happy. Um, there was one person I wanted to talk about though. And I, I, didn't even bring this up with you pre-show, but I did want to mention it. Uh, David DeJulius, a uh, former Michigan point guard um, who's now at Cincinnati opted out of the remainder of his year with Cincinnati citing mental health reasons. And we we liked DDJ a lot when he was here and we, I still contend, I I think he would have been a a really solid piece of Juwan Howard's program. I'm happy with Mike Smith. I forgot to mention, he played an awesome game in Indiana on on Saturday. Fantastic. One of his best games. But if I did want to bring this up because we do still follow these guys careers when they leave, we do still root for them. I know there's some people who think guy transfers, they're dead to me. That's not the case. We like these guys a lot. And if there's anything good, and I want to say the last year, but it's not true. If there's anything good that's come out of a post-February 2020 world, it's been the fact that you've seen a lot of high-profile people, athletes especially, who have been very open. About some of their struggles uh, with mental health. We've seen it with baseball, with Andrewson Simmons and the incredible uh, Drew Robinson story that Jeff Passen wrote on ESPN. I mean, it's been kind of a, a real influ- influx of, of people discussing this. And, you know, even though we wish he was here, you know, we, we liked him a lot. Um, we, we, we commend him on this podcast and on this website for uh, sticking up for, for what he's doing. And it's important. I forgot to mention Dak Prescott was one of the first ones to really uh, open up about this stuff as well. And I think DeJulius is going to have a lot of success at Cincinnati as a player, but it, this is not a knock to say that him doing this is a heck of a lot more important than what anyone will do on a basketball court. So I, I wanted to say that I don't know if you have anything to add, but I want to give him a, you know, a, an acknowledgement for, for a very mature decision.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, I share all the things that you said about having, liking him, respecting him, thinking that he's a good basketball player, but in my interactions with him, not that, you know, we're buds or anything like that, but you cross paths with people being in the building and, uh you know, a, a good guy too. So I can commend anyone who recognizes that they have, something's not okay with them mm-hmm. and that there's, there's help out there to be had there. are, I mean, there are, And and I've realized this, you know, things with me too. Like there are an ungodly amount of resources out there, whether it be people or exploring your interests and and all this self-care stuff that helps you figure out who you are and and how you process things and how you want to, you know, get out there and live your best life. And anyone who can be forth, not only just make the internal decision that they want that help, but to be outward about, you know, being transparent that they're getting that help. I think that's a really important step in like healing yourself through that too. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I commend him for that. I think that, you know, for anyone listening, if you're, you always, there's always someone out there that cares And, and there's always just don't be afraid, never be afraid to feel what you feel and, and confront that stuff and, and take care of yourself because, you know, the game of basketball, it's not going anywhere. The game of life, you know, is just so much more important and, you know, to discover, to reflect, to, to do things, to explore things that can help you find your inner peace. I I think that's, that's absolutely critical and, you know, hope everything's okay. It seems like he has a self-awareness of his situation, which Mm -hmm. is, which is awesome. That's a big step in it too. So uh, commend him for that commend anyone for that. And uh, like I said, I know that uh, for some people, what we do here is also a sense of community that they might feel like they're missing out on otherwise. So we, uh, we embrace that, know that uh, we're here for you and, and as much as you want to be here on the ride with us. So uh, don't be afraid to take care of yourself. And, you know, maybe, maybe David Julius's situation and a lot of other people who have been forthright about their issues, maybe that helps you find your peace too. So yeah, totally totally respectful of all that
0: for sure. And, and in the little bit that I've seen, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I follow them on, on social media. That's what, that's all I know of them. It, it it appears as though the general reception has been extremely positive, which is nice because I mean, do we, we know, we know what Twitter is. We know what social media is. We know that there is, there is sometimes a, a, Nobody, or unfortunately, sometimes there's a a skip Bayless who's going to come on and talk about how the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys was weak for talking about his depression. It doesn't seem like that's happened. It seems like general response by his teammates and by his peers has been uh incredibly positive, and that's great because it means we're moving forward. I don't know if four or five years ago if somebody would have done this if the reception would have been the same, unfortunately. But it's
1: and let me just say this, and I don't want to turn it into a tirade about this, but this little, these little. These little boxes, these little squares that we carry around with us all day, um, those are as damaging to your mental health as anything else can be. And uh, just, just don't be like, don't be afraid to unplug and, and take time for yourself. Be friend, be a friend to yourself. Is really kind of what it all boils down to. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just kind of go through life and, and treat yourself, like you, like put yourself. Not again. <laughs> I don't want to go down the no, this is a self-help road here, but anyone who has the ability to diagnose and treat themselves like a friend, take your problems and address them like if a friend was coming to you with them, I think that's a really healthy thing to do too. So um, support's important. And, and um, if you don't feel supported, let people close to, you know, and, and you work those things out and you hash them out. And, and, you know, it seems like Dave's really lucky to have people that, mm-hmm. that are supportive of him. I know there've been several Cincinnati players, I believe that have opted out of this season. So he's huh. not alone in this. And, you know, maybe some of it, you know, who's, I don't want to speculate on his situation. Maybe some of it started in Ann Arbor and that's why I decided to leave. But again, uh, when you, you, sometimes it just catches up to you and you have to tend to it uh, one way or another. And that's where now i also kind of commend you with the, the discipline to step away from a place like twitter for a bit is that the, the idea that this little thing that honestly is just it's so it's so meaningless can that can just pull these strings and then control your life and and how you feel and how you what your perception of your reality is is just it's pretty scary to think about so mm-hmm. um yeah moral of the story take some time to unplug take care of yourself last year and change has been, has been tough. Um, 2020s problems didn't go away when (laughs) no, they did not flip the calendar to 2021. No, 2020 was the year of reckoning, so to speak, maybe 2021 is the year where we all just kind of relax and and process what we've been through and and figure out how, how it can shape us moving forward. So shout out to David Julius for that. I think that's extremely inspirational.
0: For sure, no, I'm with you completely, and that that will do it for today's show. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you want at Castellani2014. I've been teasing it for months now. There's like there's going to be something. The closer we get to baseball season, I'm, I I don't want to keep everyone in the dark about this because I do I do know that there are the, those people who who enjoy my content rely on, on on what the stuff I have to say about the Tigers. I got something prepared, but look, every every if you want my opinions, follow this show. Go to iTunes, rate and review Mason Brew. I mean, we're we're working our asses off here to bring the best content possible, and I think this is somehow,
1: a- someway, these are much healthier outlets for all of that stuff.
0: <laughs> yes, completely. I I mean, just even if, at the very least, just simply being able to talk. To somebody, as opposed to just type, you know, uh, fidgeting your fingers on a on a on a, a screen until you in sending them, you know, regurgitating your thoughts out to the world is, uh, it's a lot easier, a lot safer. I do have another show, Locked On Tigers. That's at Locked On Tigers on Twitter. The show was recently bought out. Uh, or I'm uh, not the show that the, the, the locked on was recently bought out by a a, a media company, this meaning that we're going to have longer podcasts. We're returning to five days a week, uh, more sponsors, which means uh, more show. So I look forward to that responsibility. I have a YouTube channel as well. Just did a couple of really fun videos where I did my top 10 best and worst movies of 2020, which was fun in one case, and very cathartic In another one talking about the worst movies of the year. So thank you very much. Please follow me on all those platforms. Anthony, where can we find you?
1: Yeah, I just did the whole social media bad thing. So if you listen, you know.
0: It's a necessity, though. You got to throw it out there. I mean, (laughs)
1: you guys, you guys know who I am. You know who the site is. You know, we're in all those places that you are because we are we have our ties to those those types of forums as well. Um, Definitely uh, something I will say is get in on the discord. I think there's. Yeah. There's been some fun chatter going on over there that continues to grow. And I finally threw the link to that up, up in our Twitter page. So here you go. All the breadcrumbs leading you back to the very dark and scary place. But uh, that's where we're at. Again, uh, don't be afraid to leave us a review. We're getting the, the Google podcast thing figured out. It's a problem with Google. You know, anytime you're dealing with things like that, it's, it goes above my head. So to those of you who keep clicking on us for Google and, taking you to Lighthouse Hockey, which is SB Nation's New York Islanders podcast. Like, I'm very sorry. We're working on fixing that, and that goes way above me. So, um, yeah, thank you for your time and and your support. And like I said, the next time we chat will be March, and that's last year not so much, but more, more often than not, March is the most wonderful time of the year. So
0: it can be. Yeah. So, no, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. This is, and I, I talked about this on the Brewcast last week that, yeah, I mean, look the, the anticipation and the nerves are going to grow, but uh, there's something fun about the chase and they, there, the, you know, what's fun about the chase is being at the top of that chase, which is where Michigan finds themselves currently. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. We will be right back here. We'll, you'll be hearing from us uh, on the Brewcast tomorrow. We'll see you later. Go blue.